0: Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. O Lord and Master of my life, a spirit of idleness, curiosity, ambition, and idle talk give me not, but a spirit of chastity, humility, patience, and love bestow upon me thy servant. Yea, O Lord King, grant me to see my own failings, and not condemn my brother. For blessed art thou unto the ages of ages. Amen. Well, perhaps you you recognize those words. They're in your bulletin, if that wasn't... It's a bit of a hint, I suppose. Those are the words of the prayer of St. Ephraim the Syrian. Uh, It's an ancient prayer, ancient, dating from the 4th century. Uh, It's a prayer that I've shared with with you the past several years. It's been in the the back of our bulletin on Ash Wednesday and then throughout bulletins throughout Lent. Uh, In the Eastern Church, it is prayed every weekday in Lent. Whenever there's a liturgy, it's always used during Lent and uh, also used privately as as a prayer for devotion. And although it's not traditionally used on Sundays uh, in the East, I've always led you in this prayer after every Mass, after every Sunday Mass, every weekday Mass during Lent. And this year is going to be no exception, of course. Uh, and I'd ask us to look at this prayer, to, uh, to use it perhaps throughout all the days of Lent in your own devotions. That's why you've got it again in, in your bulletin this very first day of Lent. Take it home with you. I'll give you extra copies if you'd like. You can put it up in your refrigerator, on your medicine cabinet. I don't know where you want to put it. You can put it anywhere. To keep it with you, keep it in your pocket. Use it throughout the days of Lent in your own devotion, and ask ourselves. I'm going to ask us if we can ask ourselves all throughout Lent, if we can truly, if we can truly enter into the spirit of the words you see printed there in the prayer of Saint Ephraim the Syrian. Can we really enter, enter into the spirit of those words? Perhaps, just maybe, just maybe they can also under uh, they can also inform our understanding. Um, of today's gospel, certainly, of today's gospel reading, but then thereby also help to inform our understanding of this entire season, this entire holy season that we're beginning, and the way in which we journey throughout. Hear those words again. You can read along with me if you like, as I say them. O Lord and Master of my life, a spirit of idleness, curiosity, ambition, and idle talk, give me not... But a spirit of chastity, humility, patience, and love, bestow upon me thy servant. Yea, O Lord King, grant me to see my own failings, and not condemn my brother. For blessed art thou unto the ages of ages. Amen. Well, consider those words. I mean, consider those things. Could we actually ask those things? How hard that might be. Could we actually ask those things in our hearts? I mean, we can ask them, but but we need to ask ourselves, Could we ask them and really mean them, perhaps? Would we really want to give up our idleness, our idle curiosity, our rampant ambition? Would we want to give up our idle talking? And if you put all those things together, idleness, curiosity, ambition, and idle talking, uh, that spells gossip, doesn't it? (laughs) Do we want to give that up? I mean, we should, but in our heart, can we pray this and mean it? Well, we are to approach that and seek after that, aren't we? Would we really want to give those things up? Would we really want to be invested with a true spirit of purity, of humility, of patience, of love? And all the things that those mean. I mean, if you're really displaying those things... We know how hard it can be to exercise those things sometimes. Patience, my gosh, patience leaps to mind. I know nobody here has ever had a time when it's been difficult to be patient, right? Mm-hmm. Your patience has never been tried. Mine, mine either. <laughs> well, in the spirit of honesty, this being Ash Wednesday, <laughs> I have a lie because I'm tried every day. We all are, every day. That last thing that we say in that prayer, would we really want to see just our own failings? And nobody else's? Would we really want to be able to just focus on our own failings and then not go and condemn our neighbor? Again, that's really hard. The easiest thing to do, sometimes the most pleasant thing to do, is, is to stand there very self righteously and say, oh, they screwed up. <laughs> look, look how good I am. <laughs> And we don't use those words, I know, but our spirit sometimes reflects that. All the time. I shouldn't say sometimes reflects that. We do that all the time. We fall daily. Your priest does it daily, several times daily. I think if we're honest, we all probably do. It's very difficult. What would it require for us to be able to embrace all the words of that ancient prayer of St. Ephraim the Syrian? What would it take what would it take for us to embrace that? Certainly the grace of God. God's help and assistance. There's no way we're going to do it on our own, is there? No. But might it also then be that all-important item that we talked about this past Sunday, when we on the Sunday of Quinquagesima, when we talked about that final day of preparation for the journey, right? We talked about the important things you take along on a journey, and I said it's not just cold fried chicken, which I love. The most important thing that we take along. Do you remember what that what we heard about on Sunday, what virtue it is that we found to be most important in packing for a journey. Because we saw Jesus demonstrate that virtue on his journey. Do you remember that? What was the virtue? Very good. Charity. It was charity. It was charity, and it was mercy that moved our Lord to stop. you remember that? Stop and give sight to a blind man who's calling out for mercy. Even as his disciples, all those who were traveling with him, just wanted to travel right along and just push that guy you know, under the rug. Jesus showed them there's sometimes something most important on a journey. That's exercising charity. and Of course, his heart was moved out of his love and his great mercy, and his charity to stop and give sight to the blind. Well, maybe that is just the most important thing that we could that we could put into the mix, the most ingredient, if, the most important ingredient, if we really want to embrace this prayer and all that it means, this prayer of Saint Ephraim the Syrian. Perhaps the grace of God, His strength, the comfort that comes from the Holy Spirit, but then as we in, in that that ancient idea of synergia and working with the energies of God, if we want to cooperate, maybe we need to add that ingredient of charity. And exercise that. I mean, as we heard in the gospel today, the attitude that we take upon ourselves during a journey—it's quite important, isn't it? I mean, we heard you know, we, we heard Jesus talking to his disciples about fasting. He says, "You know, when you fast, don't be like the hypocrites of, of a sad countenance, where they they disfigure their faces. You can figure, you know, somebody who's hungry, I mean, like like a, like I get when I'm hungry. I do sometimes. I get grumpy, you know." They disfigure their faces, that they may appear unto men to fast. Verily, I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou fastest, anoint thine head, and wash thy face. That thou appear not unto men to fast, but unto thy Father, which is in secret. And thy Father, which seeth in secret, shall reward thee openly. That's a challenge right there, I think, to us, isn't it? It's a challenge to us during this Lent. Let's challenge ourselves on that, shall we? Fast. Let's fast as we know we are to, my brothers and sisters in Christ. Fast. Embrace the ancient discipline of the church. Fasting. Disciplining ourselves in fasting, in prayer, in almsgiving. But also then, also discipline ourselves as regards our spirit. Can we take upon ourselves the things that we ask for in that prayer of St. Ephraim can we allow that to, to actually warm our hearts in our humility in our patience in our love that even in, in a relatively dark season of penitence and fasting well, the love and the joy of Jesus Christ might be so evident in us that others are going to be drawn to it smile let the love of Christ shine through you you are, you are made in his image and likeness and he is the image of the invisible God let the joy of Christ break through. Don't disfigure your faces through fasting. Let us approach this Lent not with a, with a dark, nasty and grumpy spirit that turns people off and maybe even drives them away, but rather anoint and wash, as he says. And maybe anoint the head of your spirit. Wash the face of your attitude. And look to all the world as a joyous Christian. You know, knowing that the things to which we're called don't always bring happiness. They don't always bring happiness. But in their embrace, they might actually bring for us in the end true joy. Now, no length is ever going to be kept perfectly, let's be honest. We're falling. No Lent will be kept perfectly, for we we could never follow our Lord's command to love as perfectly as we should, could we? We couldn't do that, so Lent won't be perfect. I'll give you that right up front, okay? It's not going to be perfect. But as we also learned this past Sunday, that's really not the point, is it? The true heart of our Christian discipline is really found in our attempt and in our desire to seek after our Lord. It's found in in our turn toward Jesus Christ. To seek after our Lord and to seek after the righteousness and, and the holiness to which we're called. For, for no one, no one is going to fully attain it in this life. But you're called to turn, aren't we? We're called to turn to the Lord daily. In the early 17th century, the blessed George Herbert, uh, a priest of the Church of England, a hero of mine, he, he wrote a poem entitled, uh, a pretty simple title, it was called Lent. How's that for brevity? Lent. In in the midst of this poem, entitled Lent, he he summed up our approach to this holy season. And I'll share just four stanzas with you. He wrote, It's true, we cannot reach Christ's 40th day, yet to go part of that religious way is better than to rest. We cannot reach our Savior's purity, yet our bid be holy, even as he, in both, let's do our best. Who goeth in the way which Christ hath gone, is much more sure to meet with him than one that traveleth byways. Perhaps my God, though he be far before, may turn and take me by the hand and more may strengthen my decays. You see, we can't make Christ's 40th day, is what George Herbert's saying here. We, we can't attain our Savior's purity. We're not going to do it in this life, are we? Not going to do it. But that's not the point. As Father Austin Ferrer assured us this past weekend when I shared with him, shared him with you. The same point is being made three centuries earlier. It's not the point that we cannot attain it. We undertake the journey and we're much farther along, even when we fail, than if we had never begun the journey. But we need to embrace it. And so we need to embrace this journey, embrace this journey of Lent, embrace our Christian life. Embracing, seeking to go where God calls us. And as we journey, let us just try to embrace that spirit of Lent this year. That spirit of humility. Smile. Let the joy of Christ shine out. Let it so shine that you might draw others to it. Embrace that spirit of humility, that spirit of turning again to the Lord who loves us so dearly and with such great passion He loves us that He'd give His very life to set things straight and to bind up all those things that are broken. O Lord and Master of my life, a spirit of idleness, curiosity, ambition and idle talk, give me not, but a spirit of chastity, humility, patience and love bestow upon me thy servant. Yea, O Lord King, grant me to see my own failings and not condemn my brother. For blessed art thou unto the ages of ages. Amen.